0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. <laughs> John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them.
1: I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post the next.
0: Big job there from Duffy and Frank Meers. now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cool. does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
2: All right, pay-per-view week is upon us. Great to be with you. It is Sunday, February 6th, 2022. It's episode 335 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. Coming up on our seven-year anniversary. And Kenflow is in high demand when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Where are you right now? And let us hope that your Wi-Fi holds up.
0: I know, really. Uh, right now, I am about, I guess, three and a half hours uh, north of Los Angeles. Um, I'm in Three Rivers, California. And uh, just absolutely beautiful here. I'm doing an, um, doing seminars here at Basalia, California, yesterday and today. And uh, at uh, Resilience Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So uh, thank you to those guys for having me.
2: Outstanding. So did you go back and forth, or have you been on the West Coast for a long time?
0: I was on the West Coast for a long time, all yeah. Right, I had, head right. back tomorrow, yeah. Excited to see your children, I would imagine. Absolutely,
2: yes. How old is your son now?
0: Uh, he's going to be nine months, uh, the middle of this month. And then uh, my daughter's going to be four next week. So can't that. wait to be back. Yeah.
2: yeah, it is interesting because I'll go away for 14 days to Abu Dhabi and I cannot wait to see my kids. And right. then there's this sort of running joke, if not reality, that like after like 15 minutes, it's like, all right, Jesus, <laughs> Christ. get out of my face, get out of my hair. When's the next UFC live event? I got to get the fuck out of here. You know, um, there is nothing like the anticipation of seeing your children after being away for a long time. Yeah. But it crystallizes pretty quickly how annoying they are no i'm just kidding all right <laughs> ufc fight night Hermanson versus strickland we're going to recap that we have predictions coming up in the main event challenge for ufc 271 ray longo has not answered a single text message this morning anyone who listened to the show ne- last week knows that he prefers primetime. so it remains to be seen as to whether or not he's going to answer the call today uh but ken flow let us start with the ufc fight night main event and uh Really is weird going from pay-per-view back to UFC Apex, man. You know, it, it sounds and feels anticlimactic to me. You know, um, I, I I have to say that off the top without fans. Uh, it just feels weird. But Sean Strickland taking care of business over Jack Manson probably made it closer than he needed to, even though I don't agree with Sal Diamato's. 48, 47 scorecard for Hermanson, but it goes into the books as a split decision win for Sean Strickland. His six fight win streak is a middleweight, second longest active one in the division behind Israel Adesanya's 10. Um, and he's a piece of shit with money, but you gotta love him. Your thoughts on Sean.
0: Strickland? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, um, when I was looking looking at the fight and I'm seeing these guys walk out and, and there is no crowd. I, I agree. It is very, very different. And, and I imagine it has to be very different for those fighters who are used to fighting in front of crowds and then kind of walking out to essentially silence. Yeah. Getting ready. Having to stay focused throughout that process. Some guys really like competing with that crowd. And um, if you're one of those people, it's probably very challenging. Either way, I, I thought Strickland fought a pretty smart fight, did what he yeah. had to do to win that fight. Uh, again, it was the jab of Strickland. That really was the story here. Um, Hermanson just looks awkward still on the feet. You know, once he started loosening up, I think he's so tight uh, that it, it was hard for him to land shots and land without them being telegraphed. Like, he telegraphs a lot of his stuff, um, doesn't have the same speed of Strickland. That was clear. Um but yeah, I thought Strickland really had a, a very solid performance. It was funny that he was critical of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's no obligation by any fighter to stand there and trade. Well, right. Like, uh, that's that actually would have helped Hermanson and would have hurt him at times. So yeah, I, I thought it was a solid performance from Strickland who continues um, you know, to to climb the rankings and 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 look pretty sharp.
2: And I know you're the I finish fights guy and we have fun with that, but it's not as though you were not defensively sound or rooted right. in strategy. The Diego Nunes fight, obviously, you know, I thought you mitigated risk really well to to make sure that you fought for the title in your next fight. Um, yeah. But I think in a clear title eliminator, or maybe not so clear, but in a fight that was going to eliminate a middleweight title contender, a week before the belt in this division is going to be on the line and a week before Derek Brunson is going to fight Jared Cannoneer, I think a finish for Sean, Sean Strickland would have been particularly useful. And I think that's why he was critical. But man... I love watching him fight. I love watching him jab. You know, I love when he starts to flap the gums a little bit. He didn't do a whole lot in this matchup. Um, you know, like I just think it, it, you gotta be careful with these judges. And I don't mean that necessarily, but leaving a fight up to the judges. I know a lot of fighters don't like when you say that, you know, but there was a time when Sean Strickland was a minus 5,000 favorite on the live betting line. And I certainly didn't think I was looking at a fight in which a guy was minus 5,000. Um, But Hermanson, even when he was able to get the fight where he wanted to, I didn't think he did a whole lot with it. And um, yeah, I know he raised his hand after the fact, but yeah, it was 49-46 Strickland for me
0: yeah absolutely. I mean, Salto motto, I don't know what he was watching. Um, I was really surprised and very nervous as the third judge's scorecard was was read. Um so really confused by that one. Uh, he got it wrong for sure. It was all Strickland um pretty easily. yeah,, uh, maybe herman said you know had had one of those rounds, but uh, that, that was pretty much it. Um, but yeah, listen, in regards to Strickland's performance, I see what you're saying. I see what Strickland was saying. Because, you know, uh, I was talking with my buddy about this. You know, there's different tiers of fighters, right? And if you could put those guys in a tier one, a tier two, a tier three, you know, I I think that if you're elite, you beat someone like a Hermanson. And and that's no disrespect. Hermanson is tough as nails. Mm -hmm. He's physically tough. But there's not one thing where I'm like, hey, this guy is really good at this aspect. Or there's not one thing that, like, super stands out. Um, And he's just well-rounded. So if you're elite, I think you got to go out there and finish to show that you're elite. Yeah, and, like, right. hey, I, I can absolutely win this belt. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that might have been a little disappointing for Strickland. But either way, he got out of there pretty clean, didn't take a whole lot of damage in the process. I was a little
2: banged up watching the main event, but it did seem to be a quieter than normal crowd for the UFC Apex. Some of those Apex crowds are really loud. This one felt particularly quiet, even though the Nelk boys were in the building. Um I heard them say on the broadcast, I don't know if you heard this, that Sean Strickland does not run nor lift weights, uh, that he just essentially spars and does live stuff. And, uh, Hey man, it ain't broken, but I thought that was a very interesting detail that I hadn't heard before. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on, uh, on that.
0: I find that interesting. I'm I'm not so surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate, but, uh, I'm sure a large part of his training revolves around just sparring. Um. And that's tough, you know, like I, I want guys to be smart about it. and yes, you can get that kind of experience and get better doing that. but um, it's also uh, a way where you cannot improve if you're just stuck doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, and you know, you can argue that uh, the best way to get get better at your sport to get conditioned, uh, for your sport is to do your sport. Right, now, right, right. I think, you know, you can definitely get stronger doing other things and, and more explosive, more athletic mobility and stuff. Mobility drills would help. Uh, but I, I wonder how that would fare against, you know, the truly elite uh, in that division. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. You know?
2: Basketball is a great example of a sport uh, that will test your conditioning and your cardio in a very different way, even if you're in good shape when it comes to your strength and conditioning. All right, congratulations to Sean Strickland. He certainly set himself up for uh, for another big fight, either a main event, perhaps a title fight, just depending on how things play out this weekend. Certainly for the middleweight contenders, Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, Sean Strickland, uh, you want Adesanya to be decisive in victory over Robert Whitaker because a 1-1 series between the two of them, Given their star power, given the rivalry, that would probably lay a pretty good foundation for a trilogy. So I think there are going to be a lot of Adesanya fans um, this weekend near the top of that middleweight division. All right. Co-main event. Nick, Nick Maximov over Punahele Soriano by split decision. He ties Marvin Vittori's single-fight middleweight record with 11 takedowns landed. Thought they were pretty generous with uh, with some of the scoring of those takedowns because he didn't do a whole lot with some of them. Um, but yeah, I thought Nick Maximov, you know, I thought he had some pretty good strikes at times as well. Um, Punahele Soriano dealing with an injury towards the end of that fight. But anything uh, for us on the co-main event and Nick Maximov staying undefeated?
0: Yeah, listen, <clears throat> I thought um, his pacing uh, and his his wrestling and consistency was a little underestimated here. I, I thought that, you know, his willingness to go out there and bring the fight in his realm uh, was the difference. Uh, Soriano had some good spots, some good moments there. Uh, but Maximo's a, a really good grappler, man. I, w- I was really impressed.
2: Yeah, I was too. And Puno Helle Soriano, I think, is also a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to be heard from in the future as well. So we'll see how it goes for Nick Maximo. But, uh, you know, I think the Nick Diaz Academy certainly has a fighter uh, upon which to build there. And he's a pretty young guy, too. All right. Shavkot Rachmanov Rachmanov. I know the broadcasters and Buffer were doing it two different ways. Either way, first fighter out of Kazakhstan to get to the UFC. We have since had several others, um, but he stays undefeated. All of them finishes this one over pretty talented Carlson Harris, even though he is the lesser-known quantity here. Spinning hook kick, 14th knockout in UFC history, stemming from a wheel kick of any kind, and uh, very interesting fighter now in this welterweight division. I guess I would just say to you, You know, as commentators, like, we're trying to build guys and build stars and next generation. And I have a hard time quantifying where this guy is relative to the welterweight elite right now. I don't think he's ranked. You know, uh, he's undefeated. I think he's an intriguing prospect. But, you know, I, I just don't know how good he can be. I really don't.
0: Well, that's the thing, especially with a lot of guys, you know, earlier in their career or if you're seeing them, have a few wins in a row and they happen to be winning quickly, it's hard to know. It, it, and I think you you only know by having those guys that kind of the middle tier guys in that division and seeing how they do. Those are usually the measuring sticks for me. It's like, did they beat them? How did they beat them? You know, uh, how, how easy did it look for them? Uh, and I think those are typically better measuring tools than, you know, yeah. um, some of the fights that they take early on.
2: All right, Brendan Allen took a fight on three days' notice, and I know you didn't see this fight, but he defeated Sam Alvey with a rear naked choke. Nice little combination, hit him to the body, hit him with a check hook, avoided the counter coming back, and then obviously his offensive jiu-jitsu is outstanding, didn't even have hooks in, and uh, really good with that rear naked choke. Um, so for Brendan Allen, you know, the Chris Curtis chapter now goes further in the rear view mirror. There's an Alvey angle that I want to get to here, but... Um, I guess I'm just curious your thoughts overall on on Brendan Allen, even though you didn't see the bulk of this fight and um, yeah. how high you think his ceiling could be back at middleweight where he is presumed to go after this short-notice opportunity went his way.
0: This was one of those fights where you try to build your confidence back and start on the win streak here against a guy who's been around the block for a long time, Sam Alvey, um, you know, maybe not the most well-rounded fighter per se, But very dangerous, Um, you know, has a lot of power. Uh, And he went out there and did exactly what he needed to do out there. Um, And, uh, you know, for Brendan Allen, he's been a little inconsistent in his performances. Even sometimes within his fights, he has a ton of potential. Uh, So I think this was a good performance for him uh, to get him back on track, show that he can be consistent, and go out there and and fight with not a whole lot of mistakes. Because Sam Alvey can be a very dangerous guy. No
2: doubt. Crazy to see Brendan Allen like dicking around on TikTok with his wife, and then like the next day accepting a light heavyweight fight. Uh, but hey, he he was in shape enough, certainly. And um, yeah. I don't know. I think he was in Florida training. I don't know if he had a fight on the books, but that's a big win for Brendan Allen. And I uh, thought he did a pretty good job on the microphone as well, trying to uh, position himself for a potential TV gig down the line. Um, a couple more items here on uh, on UFC Fight Night before we get along to Ray Longo. <clears throat> Julian Erosa over Steven Peterson to kick off the main card. It goes to Erosa by split decision. Steven Peterson was not bonus eligible because he missed weight. And this has been hard for Peterson to consistently make featherweight. I'd like to see him move up to lightweight. I thought the fight could have gone either way, um, but some numbers on it. So Julian Erosa with 155 lands and Steven Peterson with 148. They combined for 303 significant strikes, landed second most ever. In a three-round featherweight fight, even though I guess it wasn't really a featherweight fight, but the record uh, is Shane Burgos and Billy Q with 357 at UFC 268. And this is just feel-good stuff for me, and I do have to circle back to Sam Alvey in terms of not-so-feel-good stuff. Um, But, dude, like Giuliani Rosa, right, has had three UFC stints. He's been all over the place, twice having to earn his way back to the UFC, a wealth Mm -hmm. of experience, taking short-notice opportunities, Left and right. And I had to find him on Instagram this morning and congratulate him because he made one hundred thousand dollars in bonus money. And, you know, it's nights like this that I don't want to, I guess, validate is too strong a verb, but it is nights like this that validate every ounce of blood, sweat and tears that he's put into this sport. Hmm. And I don't know. I just woke up really happy for Julian Rose.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and I heard the fight was absolutely nuts, by the way. wow, uh, yeah. Awesome. I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry I missed it. Uh, but yeah, my older brother hits me up. He's like, You gotta see this fight, it's insane. I wasn't able to get back home in time. But anyways, uh heard it was crazy. And you know, I, I think for a lot of fighters, you you kind of forget and for fans, for that matter, you forget that you could be one fight away from absolutely changing your life. You know, uh, one performance, you get the, you know, a couple bonuses, you know, you you get a fight that puts you on the map and some sponsor decides to, you know, put, get you on board. I mean, there's so many different opportunities with just one fight, being there at the right time and having that right performance, uh, sticking with that. Um, And having that become, you know, the thing that kind of set you forward for a long winning streak, there's so many different factors and believing in that process and going out there um, and never taking any fight for granted, any opportunity for granted is huge. And uh, to see uh, Julian get that win uh, and do it in that manner, I I think he's going to learn a lot about himself uh, and that's going to propel him forward. Uh, you know, and definitely get him to be motivated and, and climb up those rankings, man. That division is nuts. Uh, but yeah. he does have a lot of potential to, to be a, a top featherweight.
2: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of skills and a lot of experience. Any given Saturday night, I really do believe in him. All right. Cody just passed along this from Sean Strickland on Twitter. Here's a quote. I probably shouldn't say this and no disrespect to Jack Hermanson. He's a warrior, but I feel like I didn't even try this fight. Like I was treating it like a low level sparring match. Very disappointing. Let the pressure get to me. Won't happen again. So there's a lot to unpack there uh, yeah. as we circle back a little bit. Um the pressure. I don't know if it was main event pressure or knowing that he's getting closer to that championship, which obviously could mean riches and changing his life forever. Um, but I thought some interesting stuff there from from Sean Strickland, because he didn't necessarily go
0: for it when there were windows that he could have opened up a little bit. I thought, yeah, listen, uh, I think that those kind of opportunities can kind of get in your head a little bit. Um, I believe it was his first main event uh, in the UFC. Right. Is that right for Strickland? I thought Uriah Hall was a main event. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, All right. Well, either way, uh, though. Either way, you know, there was more on the line than there was in the Uriah Hall Hall fight, you know. Uh, So, yeah. So I think that um, for that, he probably felt it. You know, who knows where it's coming from? It could be coming from his own team. It could could be coming from himself. It could be coming from the UFC. So, you know, there's a lot. And I think those are one of those things where. Um, you know, it could easily have gone the other way and you have to learn from a loss. He was able to win, uh, still learn from that and, and find out a little bit about himself. But, you know, I, I think there were times where if he was a little bit more reckless or if he was going for it a little bit more, that would have favored Hermanson, in my opinion. Yeah. Could he could he have gone for, for the kill a little bit more? Could have he have followed up on some of those shots? Sure, I agree. But um, I think overall, it was still a, a pretty solid performance from Strickland.
2: Yeah. I thought so, too. I'm yeah. excited to call one of his fights. I feel like I have not called one of his fights in a long time. So we talked about Julian Erosa, all the feel-good stuff. And then there's Sam Alvey, who believe who I believe now has a, a seven-fight winless streak in the UFC. There have been a lot of split decisions, uh, a draw in there against the very talented Da un Jung, uh, some cancellations, short-notice fights, and other things that haven't necessarily gone his way. But it's hard to watch his video on Instagram where he's sort of on the verge of tears. I think he's fought almost 25 times in the UFC and really had a lot of shining moments. But it's a lot of fucking red on that Wikipedia page now, Ken Flo. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. He says he's not done fighting. He's going to lean into his YouTube channel and coaching. But uh, I don't know, man. I just kind of feel bad for the guy a little bit, you know, because it just has been some some bad luck mixed with some difficult matchups. and And this was a forgettable night for him for sure.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, I think Sam is a great guy. He, he he's he's a fun guy. He's always smiling uh all the time. You see him bring his kids to the fight. I remember I know. You know us calling fights and seeing him with his whole family there. You know, he's he's a family guy, he loves to fight. Um, he's been around for the for a long time. He has been a guy that the UFC could lean on, not only to go out there and deliver action-packed fights, but also, you know, fight on short notice as well. You know, he was kind of a, a go-to guy for them for a little bit, yep. um, and uh, you know, you see him. He's had success at 185 and 205, and but he's he, he has had a lot of inconsistency, and of course, is on a long losing streak, unfortunately. So, it's tough, man. You see a lot of these guys just pour their heart and soul into this thing, yeah. and um, you know, a, a couple, a couple bad fights or a couple bad matchups um, can set you down a, a, a really tough path and and building yourself back up and getting that confidence again um, and not getting, you know, tough fights again. The, the sport is absolutely brutal, it's man. Ruthless, and it's tough man. to see it a is. nice guy like Sam Alvey so upset like that
2: that's the thing. And you have personal relationships with these people and we have commended his wife who has turned into an excellent coach named his son Ival, by the way, after Gilbert Ivel. I mean, how do you not like oh. that? Um, But there is a lot of negativity that can permeate in the MMA space. And you see people say like, dude, enough with this guy. Like, get him out of here. You know, even my beloved executive producer, Cody Merrow, just wrote in our chat room, and Cody, I'm not trying to expose you here, but he wrote exactly what you say about the co-worker who sucks at work, but you love working with. Like, how's David Carpentry? And eh, he's a good guy. Not much of a fucking carpenter, you know, but it's just, uh, it's an unforgiving business, and um, I hope that if this is the end of Sam Alvey's UFC career, that people can at least shine some positive on it yeah. um we congratulate Alexis Davis who just continues to get it fucking done big win for Hakeem Dawodu over Michael Trezano 30 to 27 times three Miles Johns on the wrong side of a comeback there on the featured prelim and Chitty Enjikwani Chitty Chitty fucking bang bang over Marc-Andre Barrio in 16 seconds Anthony Enjikwani obviously fought I believe Around the same time that you did in the UFC or WEC. Maybe I'm mistaken yeah. on that. I don't know. He, uh, he I did. Remember he we, did. Yeah, yeah. We used to drop that name, Anthony and Joquani on MMA live back in the day, actually. Um, yep. But, you know, we've heard about his brother for a long time and to come in and knock out a guy in 16 seconds like that. Uh, another highlight at UFC fight night, Strickland versus Hermanson. All right. Or Hermanson versus Strickland, I should say. Uh, All right. More on that coming up potentially if Ray Longo answers the call. But we are going to transition now to UFC 271. And we will start with the pronunciation of the week as we welcome on our executive producer, Cody Merrow, who probably doesn't have a Sam Alvey fight kit in his closet. Is that fair to say? (laughs) No. no. But I'm smiling, though. I mean, no? (laughs) You know, you're – you like – You can, it's so funny, right? Like, because you can be a little bit of a dick. Like, you're a super nice guy, but I do think that your New Hampshire comes out a little bit at times (laughs) and you're absolutely ruthless. Our audience just knows you as this happy go lucky, congenial (laughs) guy, and they haven't seen that side.
1: Well, now they do. Uh, Well, you're exposing me. You're, I mean, look at the tire tracks on my back
0: (laughs) rolling that bus on over me. Not us, John. We are, we are kind. Gentle folk who never says anything bad. Yeah, except to Ray. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, of course.
2: I said to Cody, you know, before the show, I'm like, hey, man, you know, like, what can we do to, like, improve the turnaround time for getting the episode out to the masses? And he's like, fucking pay me more, motherfucker, (laughs) than I demand. I'm like, what? (laughs) All right. I love you. Unreal. Lifeblood of the show, Cody. Fans, <laughs> lifeblood of the UFC, you're the lifeblood of the Anakin Florian podcast. To that end, pronunciation of the week, because I don't want to keep Brian Petrie waiting too long. My man BP stepping in for Jimmy Krause this week. All right, so this guy fought Dan Hooker last year at UFC 266. He'll kick off the pay-per-view against Bobby Green this weekend. Cody, who am I talking about, brother? So I believe you're speaking about Nasrat Hakparast? God, you sound so good saying that. Let's hear him say it. Nasrat Hakperast. And again, that's right. Paris. Don't need yeah. the slow one, do we? Yeah, that's perfect.
0: I give it to him. I give yeah, it to him. In yeah. the
1: I mean, I'm all branded, too. I mean, look at this. Like, I, I may know. as well have a freaking Anakin Florian tattoo. Hey, you should get
2: one. On
0: hey, eh? yeah.
2: All right. The first listener or viewer to get either the monogram on Cody's beanie or the Anakin Florian podcast logo tattooed on your body. At Anik Florian Pod, what do you want the prize to be? Because I'll pay good money for that. I'll get you on <laughs> the program for sure. Get you a couple UFC tickets. You put that logo on your body, you'll get you a UFC pay-per-view. No doubt about it, Sheer. Love it. All right. An epic NFL season comes to an end this Sunday, folks. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, has a super offer for new customers. So how about this? Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. You bet just $5 or more, get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Of course, if betting on MMA is more your style, not a problem. DraftKings Sportsbook also has tons of ways to get in on the action for Saturday's big UFC 271 event in Houston. You can throw down on who will win each fight, how fights will finish, and so much more figures to be an absolutely incredible main event between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker. So be sure you don't miss out. To that end, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code John Anik, one word, J-O-N-A-N-I-K. You bet just $5 or more on either Super Bowl 56 team and get $280 in free bets if they win. That's promo code John Anik at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. All right. We got picks to make UFC 271. beckons. let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the
0: time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
1: Hey, hey. There he is.
2: Hey. Ryan Bucking-Petrie. MMA takes podcast. It's great to see you again. Where are you in the United States of America right now? Cincinnati, Ohio, baby, right here. Bengals. Are (laughs) you a born and raised Cincinnati Bengals fan? I grew up
1: in the nineties, so I took a lot of shit for being a Bengals fan. My my stepdad, he jumped ship. He was a Brett Favre guy. No, 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 not me. True blue. Cried (laughs) when they beat the Raiders. Cried when they beat the Titans. Cried a little more when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> and you guys usually in fucking hats. So I went out and got this bad boy. And
2: hat. <laughs> <one of the laughs> <laughs> looks great. Yeah, my yeah. head looks all shiny. I forgot the uh, Travis Matthew hat today. But, bro, that's incredible. I am very excited for you and your fan base. I have a cousin who's a diehard Bengals fan with yeah. three little boys who are just out of their skin right now. Yeah. Um, how do you think they're going to do? They're plus four right now.
1: I mean, listen, we've been underdogs. I mean, besides the Raiders, we've been underdogs the entire time. I, I mean, listen, the Rams embarrassed us last year in, in, uh, in, in England. We put him in England. Taylor comes to the Rams. We have similar offenses. But man, that defense is rising up. And we got Joe Burrow. Yeah. We got Joe Shiesty. I mean, that, that guy hot. can do anything. Uh, you know what I mean? He's, uh, you know, I'm excited about the future. I mean, I've, I've always been a very positive Bengals fan, even when people shit down our throats. Yeah. Um, and this is just, I mean, I'm over the moon. I mean, I wish I could I mean, go out to LA, but I mean, the tickets are like eight grand. I mean, what are you, who are you kidding with
0: that? So, right.
2: I asked my cousin, Ken Flo, how much it would cost him to take him and his three boys to the Super Bowl. And he estimated thirty five thousand dollars. And, you know, you take out a loan or however you do it. Right. He's not going to do it. I don't believe. But it's tricky because I believe the last time your Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl was like 1988. Brian, you probably weren't even born
1: then. Yeah, I was two. I was born 1986. So I was I was two. But I don't remember it. I just remember Jeff Blake in the 90s. And Neil yeah. McDonald, number eight in your program, number <laughs> yeah. one. In your program, right? Long ball, baby. He's got the long ball.
2: I just—it's tricky when your team makes the Super Bowl and you don't mm-hmm. know when they're going to get back, and you have children, and you maybe right. want to create this. Oh, I this thought community. about it. I no, talked to my hard. wife.
1: I was like, "Let me just max out this credit card. Right. Let me <laughs> right. go to L.A. We'll
2: yeah. figure
1: it out when I get back." She's like, "Yeah, no, let's not right. do that." I was like, "All <laughs> right, that's probably
2: better." Well, and of course, it's got to be LA with this super fancy new stadium. I like know. when I went to the I Patriots know. Falcons Super Bowl, it was in Atlanta. People were sick of seeing the Pats in the game. It's the most I've yeah. ever paid for a sporting event ticket, 4,500 bucks, but I could drive home from Florida, the, uh, you know, to Florida the nine right. hours. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I got in the building for what I thought was going to be the last Brady Belichick Super Bowl, and indeed it was. All right. Yeah. So I loved your passion. That's why you earned a return trip back. But Kenflow. Yes. This dude emails me yesterday bemoaning the fact that we're not making a pick on Kyler Phillips and Marcelo Rojo. You know? I know, so- Kyler Phillips. That's my guy. I love That's Kyler Phillips, man. He's smooth. So the reason we're not making the pick in some part is because we thought Longo was going to answer his phone today. But Rojo's yeah. 0-1 in the UFC. Neither guy is ranked. Certainly expected to be an all-action fight. It's on the mm-hmm. pay-per-view for that reason. Usually, if neither guy's in the top 20, we don't necessarily make it. I get it, but yeah. I don't right. know. I think that you might be affecting future change on the Anakin Forum podcast. All right, <laughs> first fight for us, the pay-per-view opener at lightweight. Bobby Green, minus 165. Nasrat, Prest 145. Hackpress, of course, coming off that aforementioned loss against Dan Hooker last September. He had some things going on in his life, perhaps bit off more than he could chew there, Brian. How do you handicap his chances here against Bobby King Green?
1: I, you know, I don't know if I should whisper, but I don't want Vegas to know that why is Haparaz an underdog here? I, I don't yeah. get it. I think the ceiling's high for the kid. If you look at the Hooker fight, Hooker had to wrestle because he was getting teed up a little bit. Hooker did what he did. It's his mixed martial arts. I get it. But Haparaz is really clean with the stand-up. His takedown offense is good. He's looked a little pedestrian at times against like a Hoffie Garcia where someone he should have probably steamrolled at the time. But he's a legit dude with really dynamite hands. Now, Bobby Green's coming off the biggest win in his UFC career, but not to not to bes- besmirch Mr. King Green, that really wasn't raging and at like Quinta. Let's be honest. I mean, I right. Quinta. Right. I don't know if he was there one foot in, one foot out. This is a sport where obviously you can't do that. Nothing taken away from Green. He looked fantastic. But I see this fight being a real sweaty decision, all like Bobby Green's fights. You know, either side you're on, you're sweating it the fuck out. You're like, okay, it, it, what, the, what are the judges going to see in this one? Bobby does a shoulder roll. The one thing that Bobby does a lot of his fights, which I think hinders him, is he's very swagged out. So he does a shoulder roll. And, no, you didn't get me. You didn't get me. But the judges are seeing it like, well, maybe he did get hit. His posturing's may right. maybe hurting him a little bit, but I love watching it. But I think I think Nasratch is super undervalued at plus 148. I mean, I think I'm going to hammer this line at the dog. I think he's yeah. going to be a little faster than Bobby. I think his hands are cleaner. Um, wrestling, I don't think really is going to play a part in here. I mean, Bobby Green does have some chops, but I don't see that beating here. I, th- I see Bobby Green, you know, kind of doing his thing in the third round, trying to pick it up, and, and I see Haprass uh, just beating him to the punch everywhere he goes. Give me Hapras here at plus 148. Dog money? Dogs are barking. Yeah. I love it.
2: Kenny, I agree with a lot of that handicap. I mean, Green had a huge 2021. He had the memorable fight with Rafael Fiziev, and then, of course, the knockout of Ally Iaquinta in New York City. Um, 18th UFC appearance for Bobby Green, trying to make it five <clears throat> wins in his last seven. How do you see it playing out, Ken Flo?
0: Yeah, listen, I thought Brian did a great, a great job of breaking everything down. I, I think that, um, you know, Hack Press certainly does have a lot of potential. I, I've heard a lot about him. I hear he's phenomenal uh, in the training room. Uh, I've been kind of waiting for that to come to fruition during a fight. We've seen flashes of brilliance out of him, but um, I haven't seen that complete fight where, I'm like, yeah, this is the guy, you know. Um, Bobby Green uh, is on a run right now. I agree with the Al Iaquinta assessment. I don't think that was uh, Iaquinta uh, certainly at his best, um, but I do think that Bobby Green is getting more comfortable. I do think he's getting a little sharper every time we see him. And when I really break it down, I go, well, you know, the Fazeev fight, he could have won that fight. That was a close fight. Is Hackpressed as good as Fazeev? I don't know. And it it doesn't always equal, you know, just because you did well against another guy that you're going to do well against so-and-so. But um, I do think that his experience at this point, um, that he's accumulated is going to allow him to go out there and get the win here against uh, Nasrat. I think there is value there in Nasrat being the underdog here, and I expect this to stay on the feet. But uh, I still like Bobby Green here. And just so you know, when I'm looking down, Ken
2: Flo, I'm listening to every goddamn word <laughs> out of your mouth. It's just that Ray Longo is, uh, is fucking with me today, so I'm trying <laughs> to sort <slip. laughs> Yes, answer. and things of that nature. All right, featured bout in the middleweight division. I'm fascinated to see upon which side you gentlemen are going to fall. Two of the division's best, Jared Cannonier minus 180, Derek Brunson, plus 155. And as I said or sort of hinted at off the top, they kind of had to like the way the main event went last night. Fairly dominant win for Sean Strickland, no finish, not necessarily the type of performance that gets you a title shot. I think the winner here is going to be in prime position depending on how the main event plays out. Ultimately, Brian Petrie, we need a winner. Cannonier, the favorite or Brunson the dog?
1: blonde brunson i i mean i love it i love the the whole revamping of his is his, his kind of image he, he posts the picture where his shoulders are are fucking two feet apart i mean i love it i love i love me some bron blunson um and he and more importantly than the hair he's really kind of revamped his career early on he was like kind of the wild striker who had power but didn't have much technique and then he got clipped a little bit his chin wasn't holding up in some of these fights. I mean, he's a he's, he's fantastic fighter, but now he's going back to the wrestling. He's getting dirty. He's getting on top of you. He goes, my cardio is fucking better, and I'm heavy on top. He might not have the most finishes right now, but he's doing what he needs to do, and he was getting a little bit older in age. I think he's 37, 38. I mean, Ken is is right up there with him, and I love this match, mate. I fucking love it. Sean Strickland is a wild man. I'm really good friends with Chris Curtis. That's Chris Curtis' right-hand man, so I, I, I'm rooting for Sean Strickland there. Um, but he left a little bit on the table last night for these guys to come in because Brunson has a little bit of history with Izzy, has a history with Whitaker if he wins, and Cannoneer the guy who hasn't he's fought Whitaker. He hasn't fought Izzy yet. But, you know, Cannoneer is a guy who at 185 has one loss to Robert Whitaker, but hasn't really fought a wrestler yet. You look at his 205 fights, you know, he fought Jan, he's a grappler, but he hasn't really fought anybody like Derek Brunton. And he's never fought anybody like fucking blonde Brunton. I can tell you that right now. And those are two different right. guys. Yeah. Um, and the whole narrative about 185 is Cannoneer is the dark horse of the vision. We need to stop talking about the dark horse. We need to start talking about the blonde horse. And that's Derek Brunson. <laughs> and you're giving me plus 155. I'm taking yeah. another dog here. I All see right. him winning a decision. Uh, and I just think Cannonier is going to look good in the third round, kind of like what he does. But I just see the wrestling being too much. Too much. Give me Blunt Brunson.
2: All right. Nicely done there with the breakdown. Can flow a little backdrop for you. Jared Cannonier, 37 years old, bounced back from what was a fairly major arm injury and ensuing surgery to outpoint Kelvin Gastelum over five rounds last August. On the other side, 20th UFC fight for Brunson. He's 38, and as Brian pointed out, largely untouchable since he lost to Israel Adesanya in New York City. That was November of 2018. Brunson, the dog here, going for a sixth consecutive win. Ken Flo, what do you think?
0: Oh, man. Well, listen, I I have bet against Derek Brunson many times, and I've been wrong many times. Uh Uh, You know, this is another tough one for me, though, because Cannoneer... Um, I think looking as good as he did against a very tough Kelvin Gastelum, I thought was was pretty impressive. And, you know, for me, he proved a lot in that fight. You know, Kelvin Gastelum does come from a wrestling background. He is a good grappler. Um, he hits very hard. Like, not a lot of people can get by Kelvin Gastelum. Cannoneer, the fact that he was able to do it uh, impressed the hell out of me. Um, but Derek Brunson uh, continues to surprise and impress and get better um, I like the change with his camps. He seems more disciplined. He seems more organized with everything he's doing. Um, and he, he believes in whatever methodology he's 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 a part of right now. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to make the same mistake again. Uh, let's go with Derek Brunson here as well. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, Cannoneer can certainly end the fight against anybody in the 185-pound division he hits. Um, so fucking hard, uh, but let's go with Brunson here. I think if he can mix up the long, the long-range weapons with his wrestling, he could steal some rounds and win this fight.
2: Very interesting to have you both land on Derek Brunson because I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, that Joe Osborne's going to have some Brunson action as well. So we will Dang. see where that number closes in the DraftKings sportsbook this weekend. All right, co-main event at heavyweight. Quick turn for both guys. Derek Lewis minus one ninety, tied to Ivasa plus one sixty. So, Brian, Tuivasa following up that three-fight skid with a now four-fight winning streak, all of them by knockout, and that included what was just a, a vicious, concussive stoppage of Augusto Sakai at UFC 269 last December. How do you handicap his chances now as he steps up against the Black Beast?
1: You know, at first, when this fight got announced, I'm like, man, it might be a little too quick for these guys. Right. But I get it because it's an H town that's Derek loses home. He's two and one in Houston and Kenny might be, be able to address this more than I will. Um, fighting your hometown. Could that be an advantage? Could it be a disadvantage? I know when I was at UFC 77, Rich Franklin versus Anderson Silva and Rich lost the whole air. The, I mean, the whole uh, US bank arena just got, the air got taken out. It was, I mean, I, the drive home was horrible. But, you know, Derek Lewis, you know, likes these he. two and one. You know, he's coming off the zero gone loss, which was in Houston. Um, so maybe, he, you know, he's uh, chomping at the bit to get back there. He's fighting to Avasa, who's who's hot right now. He's kind of revamped his career and said, you know what? I'm going to be me. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to bring in Justin Toff I'm going to bring in the big guys I want. But the camp's about me. And he's a young killer. People forget he had that little bit of skid and he kind of gets overshadowed with this fucking chewies, which. I hope I don't see like, why do you got to spit in it? You know, just don't spit in it, and I'm okay. I'm cool. Fuck. But uh, no, he's a fan favorite. He's 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 a he's a he's a fun guy, and, and he can fight. <clears throat> yeah, I've really slept on Tuabasa most of his career. I picked Sakai against him, and and that was on me. I actually you know had some money on Sakai as well. But you know Derek Lewis after his fight with Chris docker who I'm really high on. He was patient. He was he was willing to sit there and patient. You know Derek Lewis. You know, a lot of his fights, you know, he doesn't have the best, best chin, best body. He does get hit. Sometimes he fakes it. Sometimes he doesn't. But in there, he goes, listen, I'm going to hit this guy with power. This guy's not going to take me down. And let's see who can fall first. And he was so patient in there. His timing was great. And this fight's just speed versus power. Two of us is very, very fast. Derek Lewis is very, very powerful. I don't like 190 for Lewis because, you know, he has been clipped before. He's been taken down before. I understand why he's the favorite. I get it. Um, but... You know, I I can't make the same mistake again. I can't pick against – I've picked against Lewis as well. I'm going to go Derek Lewis in Houston. Uh, Ty Tuvasa has been shaken before. You know, Greg Hardy buzzed him before he caught Greg Hardy. He's been knocked out before. And Derek Lewis can fucking knock out anybody. And uh, it's not like Tuvasa is the most defensive fighter in the world. So
2: uh, give me Derek Lewis. That last knockout for Derek Lewis over Chris Dawkins in the main event December 18th of last year. His UFC record 13th knockout relatively quick turn here. He's the betting favorite at home. Kenny, I believe I said this to you prior to UFC 265, or I guess it would have been the show after, but Derek Lewis was kind of a defeated man. When he walked into our fighter meeting, he was soliciting advice from Daniel Cormier about how to sort of handle the hometown and all the accompanying pressure. So I'm less surprised at the quick turn for Derek Lewis, more surprised that he is willingly competing in Houston yet again. Now it's a three round fight and not a five rounder, which we know he, prefers. Um, but that hometown pressure ain't going away. And to me, I would factor that into my handicap. I'm calling the fight. I'm not giving a pick. I do see value on Tui Vasa at plus plus one hundred and sixty. Ken Flo, who wins the co event.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that you can kind of group it in with pressure, but the other thing is hometown distractions, you know, having fought in Boston, you, you got everybody hitting you up and you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a whole different animal in my opinion. That was the meanest
2: um, you ever were to us when you fucked right <laughs> I,
0: <talked about> <laughs> I probably was. Um, you know, so having said that, at least he has some experience having done it, you know, and, and I think that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, both of these guys are capable of winning this fight. These are two big heavyweights with big power. Um, Tui Vasa is perhaps the cleaner striker, right? He looks a little prettier when he's throwing his stuff, but he can get wild. Uh, And like Brian said, he's not the most defensively sound guy. Uh, Neither is Derek Lewis for that matter, you know? Um, But if these guys are trading punches, um, I I, I guess I got to bet on Derek Lewis. His power uh, is, you know, very rare to see. I think if he clips to Ivasa, he can follow up and, and get the finish. Um, this should be an exciting fight while it lasts. I'll, I'll go with Derek Lewis uh, as well here.
2: All right. We'll see how by, it plays by out. By rolling, go go Plata. Of right. Of course. <laughs> yes, exactly. yeah. I think you're going to see Tui Vasa try to beat up that leg early and often. And we'll see how it plays out. Fascinating matchup in the co-main event. All right. Main event. Israel Adesanya, minus 275. Robert Whitaker, plus 220 for the Undisputed UFC Middleweight Championship. As you gentlemen know, Whitaker has reeled off three consecutive wins, two of them five rounders against Darren Till and Kelvin Gastelum. Had a win over Jared Cannonier sandwiched between those two main event wins. First meeting between Adesanya and Whitaker, UFC 243, October of 2019. Whitaker opened the favorite. Adesanya, I believe, closed as a slight favorite. Two plus years later, Whitaker has positioned himself for the rematch. Brian Petrie, who wins the Middleweight Championship Saturday night in Houston.
1: I mean, if, and I'm an Izzy guy. I, I love me some I think he is fantastic. I think he has all the recipe to eclipse Anderson Silva. And I know when people get sensitive of saying that because of what Anderson's done, but Adesanya is so fucking good. He's so polarizing. Um, he's my guy. But goddamn, if I can't help but not like Bobby Knuckles. This guy is the sweetest guy in the world. He seems so honest and truthful. No one has a bad thing to say about him. When fighters lose fights, like the last time they fought – You know, a lot of, you know, fans and and handicappers and some analysts, you know, maybe some of the things he's saying is bullshit, right? Maybe like, you know, maybe you just weren't ready because you weren't ready. But when Whitaker is talking about what happened the first time, I believe him. And I think it's right. You watch him fight. He didn't fight like himself. He was mad. He was angry. He wasn't on his toes and in and out like he normally is. He wasn't mixing it up. He was throwing huge looping shots, which obviously is going to feed right now because he's so technical and so good. Um, this is, this is going to be a different fight, I think. I, I still lean on Asanya here because I think Asanya is the cleaner guy. I've seen some pictures of him. He looks to be in fucking incredible shape. He's in America, I believe. He just landed according to his Instagram. And uh, Whitaker's just going to mix things up here. He's going to need to be Bobby Knuckles. He's need, he's going to have to get hit. He's going to know that. He's going to have to eat some counters. He's going to have to be on his toes. He has to bounce in and out, straight punches, mix up with some takedowns. A lot of people are saying Jan laid the blueprint of Izzy. I don't know if that's true because they're different fighters. But also, if you really look at the Jan fight, that was a close fucking fight. I mean, I mean, yeah. the stand-up was very close. Jan's very herky-jerky and Adesanya addressed how awkward it was. But, you know, he got laid on for the final two rounds. and so couldn't get up. I don't see Whitaker doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Whitaker's 13-1 and one as a middleweight. His last loss was to, to obviously Adesanya. And then 2014 to Steven Thompson at 170, which is bonkers, right? Um, I mean, these are literally the best 185ers you got right now. I can watch these guys fight fucking 10 times, take my money. I'll pay every single goddamn time. Um, but when it comes down to the fight, I think Adesanya is just a little bit more cleaner. I know it's not a popular pick because Adesanya is getting a little heat, a little pushback from some people. That's kind of what happens. It's like the Michael Jordan effect. You know, either you love him or you hate him because he's so good. Adesanya is getting to that point where, you know, he's, he's very his personality is very big and over the top. So people are like, yeah, I don't like that guy," but he's got some fucking skills. You know, the Marvin Vittori fight was very impressive. You know, he didn't get him out of there. Marvin Vittori's got a blocked fucking head. Couldn't take him out, but he stopped the takedowns. His cardio was good. Whitaker again, just going to have to mix things up. And I think Izzy's going to be ready for that. I think Izzy's one, if I'm going to nitpick, a lot of kickboxers when they come over and I'm not going to say Izzy's a kickboxer, but they, they like to analyze a lot. They like to read. And by the time they know it, they're three rounds down because this is mixed martial arts. You're not looking for that perfect shot. You need to throw a little bit. And I think if Izzy, the first fight, they he countered very well. I think this fight, he needs to engage a little bit more, throw some kicks, throw some, you know, stop that movement of Robert Whitaker. I like Izzy here. I like him by finish as well. I'm gonna, My pick is Izzy. Uh, 275 doesn't scare me away. You know, it doesn't, I mean, it's a little high, obviously, because I think Whitaker, there's value on the dog here at, two, uh, at plus 220, but right. I, I just think Izzy's the guy. I, you know, sometimes in handicapping, you've got to pick the better fighter, the fighter that's going to win. I like Izzy by finish here.
2: Clearly, you've done your homework. If you want more from Brian, by the way, it's the MMA Takes podcast. So, Ken Floatasanya undefeated in the weight class, He's actually the older man in this matchup, albeit slightly. Whitaker 31, Izzy 32. And Adesanya really doesn't like Whitaker, says he's not a good guy. We've certainly seen Adesanya produce greatness in the past when, when there is heat on the matchup. Um, since the first meeting between these two, Kenny, Adesanya has made successful defenses at middleweight against Joel Romero, Paulo Costa, and Marvin Vittori. Um, I don't know how much you think their first fight relates to what we'll see Saturday night. But ultimately, Kenny, you have got a lot of people to train jiu-jitsu today, so we need to uh, to get a main event prediction from you. So who do you like? Adesanya Whitaker, too?
0: Yes, sir. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, for for Whitaker, he has more ways to win in some ways, right? I, I, I expect him to probably rely more heavily on a grappling-based game plan for this one. I, I think that's where he has his best shot, right? That's no mystery. Uh, Can he do that? Uh, In order to do that, he has to deal with that long-range and the long-range weapons of Adesanya. No easy task. I think Whitaker, something that Whitaker does really well is that karate-style blitz. Uh, We see it from Wonderboy and other guys who come from that background. I don't think he can do that against someone like Adesanya. I think that would allow Adesanya to counter and counter with power. Um, So him not being able to utilize that weapon, or I assume he's not going to utilize that weapon as much, is going to hurt him and throw him off a little bit. Um, not to say he can't use it at all, but he's not going to be able to use it as often. When you're crashing into high-level counter-strikers like Adesanya, that's when he takes advantage of you. That's what happened in the last fight. I assume he's going to have to mix that up and, and change that a little bit. When you take out a major weapon, a major tool out of your toolbox, um, that could throw you off. That can make you uh, less patient. Um, and Adesanya clearly trying to get him more emotional. It's like first thing Brian says, um, you know, about Whitaker is that he's a nice guy. I believe that to be true as well. Adesanya clearly going at like probably you know a, a weakness uh, of Whitaker. It's like everyone knows he's a nice guy, and he's basically trying to make Whitaker you know look like a punk, like he's a fake. That would certainly get someone emotional. Uh, and I think Adesanya is trying to get it into his head. Will it work the second time around? I don't know. I think Whitaker learned uh, from his mistake of being overly emotional. I think we're going to get a much better fight. Um, while Whitaker can win this fight, will he win this fight? Uh, no. I'm going to go with Adesanya here. Uh, I think his counters, his range, uh, his focus for this fight, he, he seems really ready to go here. I think he knows the challenge that, that Whitaker brings And I think we're going to see a very sharp out of Sonya because of it.
2: So in terms of Whitaker being a good guy, you know how they say sometimes you got to be careful when you meet your heroes. So (laughs) Kenny and I called Robert Whitaker's UFC debut. The ultimate fighter smashes on the Gold Coast in Australia, or I should say in Gold Coast, Australia. And he's always been one of my favorite fighters. You know, he was I remember his his Twitter handle used to have like 1990 in it. You know, he was like such a young guy. And um, but man, after one of his recent wins on Fight Island, it felt like at the bar, like he wanted to talk to anyone but me. So <laughs> I was trying to get my Robert Whittaker time, and he had had enough of John Ann that night. You can be sure. So I do think there is a little part of Robert Whittaker that's no-nonsense and can be a little bit of a dick, you know, yeah. when confronted with a situation or a broadcaster that he doesn't want to deal with. So I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Brian Petrie from the MMA Takes Podcast. Hey, man, mm-hmm. if I'm not calling a UFC fighter, you're my first phone call. I appreciate your insight. I, I wish your it. Cincinnati Bengals all the best, and uh, we'll catch up soon, my man. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Great job is Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge and our final order of business, of course, will be the pick to click. Can you believe I got stoned by Robert Whitaker that night? I was so depressed. (laughs) I I got more interesting people to talk to in the bar. (laughs) Uh, And he said it in a respectful way, you know, sort of like, what are you doing tonight, John? Other than. uh, getting out of my face right now (laughs) all right pick to click is presented by oddshark.com the most reliable source for sports betting information with the latest odds insight and analysis on everything ufc i would strongly encourage you to check out oddshark.com slash ufc to get all you need to know before placing bets on the ufc 271 fights this weekend the link For that is in the description of this podcast, the Odd Shark Fight Center, a key resource for fans, and I know the media employs it as well. All the matchup information compartmentalized and presented in a nice, ingestible way. OddShark.com also giving you a compilation of all the odds from various sports book, opening prices, closing prices, and their experts are not only insightful, but they're not rookies in this MMA business. They've been invested in mixed martial arts and handicapping the sport for a long time. To that end, check it out in advance of the pay per view this weekend. Every click, of course, supports the Anakin Florian podcast. That is oddshark.com slash UFC. Don't forget the second S. Let's get to the pick to click.
3: Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. John Anik and Kenny Florian
2: Podcast. And with great pleasure, we say hello to my good friend. Like if I got married this weekend, Joe Osborne's getting invited. You're goddamn right about that. Oddshark.com sports betting analyst extraordinaire. Joel Osborne. On Twitter, he is at JTFOZ. On Instagram, it's at Paper Chaser Joe. Happy Super Bowl week, Joe. How we doing?
3: John, if you're getting married on the weekend, I better be standing in your wedding. God damn it. I, I know. I mean, right you'd probably be at grooms'
2: You'd probably be a groomsman. I'm just thinking with like Ken Flo and Longo, like Cody's got to be a groomsman. I got two brothers, um, but you're definitely on the list for sure. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Main event for UFC 271, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. the second act. Adesanya, about a three to one or so favorite, depending on where you place your wagers. What do you think about the price? And ultimately, will you have a bet on the main event?
3: Um, Yeah, my best bet for the fight is for this fight to go to decision. You can get that at plus 110, so it doesn't matter who wins as long as it does go to a decision. And I like this bet for a couple different reasons. I think we're going to see a much different approach from Robert Whitaker this time around. I think it would be shocking if he came out with the same approach as last time. You know, he was very aggressive in that first fight, ended up walking into a lot of big strikes, which ultimately led to his demise. You take a look at some stats from that fight, He threw 116 strikes in 8 minutes and 33 seconds, only landed 27% of them while attempting zero takedowns. Now, that's not a recipe for success versus a guy like Israel Adesanya. So he went back and made some pretty big adjustments in the three fights following uh, that loss. Most notably, he's mixing in the wrestling a lot more. 22 takedown attempts in the three fights since that loss, and as a result, he's been very successful. He's looked fantastic in those three fights. Now, that's pretty interesting, though, those uh, 22 takedown attempts in those three fights. The reason why it is interesting, because the three fights leading into that first Adesanya fight, he had one total takedown attempt in those fights. So, ultimately, I think we're going to see a much different fight this time around. Whitaker's going to try to make it look dirty, try to land some takedowns. Hopefully, we see them tying up a lot, pressing up, Against your cages, as I always say, takedown attempts and takedowns themselves, that chews up a lot of clock. So I think we're going to see Whitaker be a lot more patient this time around. Adesanya is never in a big rush out there. And you just look at the fight logs for each of these guys. They've both been decision machines lately here. Whitaker, five of his last six fights have gone to decision, including four or five rounders. For Adesanya, five of his last seven, including four or five rounders. So I think we're in for a long fight here, guys, with the main event and a bit of a long shot bet that I like. I do think that Whitaker is a bit undervalued coming into this fight. So plus 220, if I if he ends up winning this fight, I think it will be by decision. So you can get that at plus 450. So I'm be, uh, making a little sprinkle on Whitaker yeah, by decision, plus 450.
2: That's very interesting, and I do believe Robert Whittaker is a grappler at his core. He's a very good grappler. I mean, outstanding striker, but uh, I believe he was a grappler first. So Derek Brunson and Jared Cannoneer, if memory serves, Joe, you've made a lot of money on Derek Brunson. You've backed him, I think, in the Shabazian fight, if not others. He's plus 155 or so. I'm going to venture to say that that you might be on the Brunson side against Jared Cannoneer. Is that accurate?
3: 100% going right back to the well. This is a value play. I think this line should be a lot closer to even. You know, uh, Derek Brunson for uh, his first handful of fights in the UFC probably looked at as a little bit of a gatekeeper, right? But that is not the case anymore. And we see athletes, no matter what the sport is, peak at different times. And that is very much what we're seeing here from Derek Brunson. You take a look at this five-fight win streak that he's on, guys. He was closed as the underdog in each and every single one of those fights. So, you know, I love hopping on the value here and he's looked fantastic in these fights too. Very well rounded Great mix of striking and takedowns in the five fights. Outlanded four of the five opponents, uh, 19 total takedowns in that fight. So, you know, there's not a whole lot that I necessarily don't like about his opponent in this fight, but I love the number on him here at plus 155. I think that's great value once again. And the guy yeah. who is chronically undervalued and you see these spots with the uh, fighters that just go on these incredible tears. You take a look at the uh, current uh, late heavyweight champion as an underdog. He's on yeah. one. right now. The guy he beat uh, was on an incredible run too as a betting underdog. So this looks like another situation where you just keep betting it until it loses.
2: Yeah. And Brunson is so willing to take on all comers, you know, fighting Shabazi when nobody wanted to, the Darren Till fight, and Candoneer's not a guy that I think uh, people are dying to fight. So I got a lot of respect for Derek Brunson, and of course all of our three handicappers and experts today like him at plus 155. All right, before we let you go, Super Bowl 56 coming up this weekend. Cincinnati Bengals plus four at the Los Angeles Rams minus four. I'm totally overwhelmed with all the propositions, so I will just put it in your lap what will be your wager or two on Super Bowl 56?
3: Um, I'll give you two for the game. I'm on the Cincinnati Bengals here. I took them at plus four and a half and Hey, I'm totally biting on the Joe Burrow hype. It's absolutely real. This is, you look like
2: Joe Burrow a little bit. You're like a more handsome version of Joe Burrow.
3: I've I've been called a, the wish version of Sean McVay. Someone called me a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So I I just kind of have to shrug your shoulders at that, I guess. But, um, this is a team that plays up to the competition. Since Gerald Burrow joined the team, they've been a fantastic bet as an underdog. So in games that Burrow has played and started and finished, he got injured a couple times. Uh, they are 13-4-1 as the betting underdog. So this season, really playing up to the competition as an underdog of 3.5 or more, 5-0 and oh against the spread. And a lot's going to be made, or a lot is already being made, of uh, how poor this Bengals Offensive line is going up against a pass rush with a lot of big names. But this Bengals offensive line sucking, that's nothing new. This isn't a new development. This has been throughout the course of the season here. So I looked into some stats. So the Bengals have played 10 games this season versus a team that ranked in the top half of the league in QB pressure percentage. They went eight and two straight up in those games. So this is nothing new. We're going to see Burrow get sacked a handful of times. Absolutely. But I also think we're going to see them uh, put a couple of drives together and at least be able to keep this game close. So I like the Bengals there at, at current numbers two plus four. Not yeah. a bad spot. Now, my favorite prop for the game. This is one to support uh, the Rams, actually. And it's Cooper Cup. Uh, his longest reception is sitting there at 28 and a half. And I like the over on that quite a
2: bit. Yes, I do too.
3: He's topped that in 15 of 20 games this season, guys. So that's like not out of the ordinary for him to have a 30-yard reception. That's the norm, very much the norm. And the Bengals are a team that gets burned a lot. Uh, The third most passing plays of 20-plus yards allowed. So I I, I think Cooper Cup, that's a pretty damn good spot for him. Um, I like Jamar Chase to go over his receiving yard total of 79-and-a-half. Now, I the like counter that to too. that for a lot of people will be, well, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey. Take a look at some of the uh, the game logs for the Rams down the stretch here. The number one receiver on the other team has had a pretty good game going up against Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. So maybe he is, is a little bit overrated. We saw Mike Evans go off for over 100 versus them. Debo Samuel had a couple of good games. Justin Jefferson had a good game against them at the tail end of the regular season. So there's a whole lot to like, but those are a few that just really stand out to me for uh, Super Bowl 56.
2: I love it. We're definitely aligned on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to save all of my Super Bowl propositions for anecdotes later in the week, but uh very good insight from Joe Osborne, as usual. And if you want more of it, why would you not? Oddshark.com and on social media at JTFOZ on Twitter and at Paper Chaser Joe, where he lets the comedy go a little bit. We really like that on Instagram. Brother, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks for checking in with us, and we will catch up with you before Covington and all in a few weeks, my man.
3: I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. Good luck to yourself, and good luck to all the listeners out there.
2: Thank you, brother. There he is, Joe Osborne. Yeah, equal parts Sean McVay and Joe Burrow. Ken Flo had some technical difficulties there. That's why we didn't bring him into that interview for those of you who want to hear more Ken Flo. All right, that's going to do it for today. We might have some content from Ray Longo later in the week, but obviously he slept in today, and we did give him that option that if it was a late night that he didn't have to answer the call and needless to say, he did not, but we do thank our guests that showed up there, Joe Osborne and Brian Petrie. If you did miss our sit down with Vicente Luque or Max Griffin last week, those are both isolated on the YouTube channel as well. Don't forget Ken Flo's Jiu-Jitsu Essentials. Merchandise can be found at Anna Podcast.com. and if you want the one more sleep stuff, it can be found at Millions.co Our executive producer is Cody Marrow. Stay locked to the channel for more content leading up to UFC 271 this week and of course, if you're audio only, we appreciate every last one of you. With that for Ken Flo, I'm John Anna Thank you for watching, for listening, for subscribing, for telling your mom and the rest of your friends. We'll talk to you next Monday, if not sooner. Yo, fucking later.